tonight at midnight. It is the deadline for contributing to your RRSP. I play that music because anytime I talk about financial stuff, my head kind of explodes. So that's why we turn to experts, Greg, to help us out. Yeah, and that's that's not me, to be clear. The RRSP deadline means tax season is here. U-Files National Tax Specialist is Jerry Vitoratos. And Vitoratos, sorry uh, there, Jerry. I apologize. I had it spelled out for me and everything. Uh, thank you for joining us for uh, for this conversation this morning. How do, let's just jump right into this, RRSPs, how do they reduce our income tax burden? Jerry. Um, uh, but essentially the way they reduce it is by reducing the income you get taxed on. So let, let's take like a simple example, right? Let's say you made about uh, $50,000 in the year, okay, by, and you contribute 5000 to your RSP. So ordinarily you'd be taxed on $50,000 of your income. By contributing to your RSP, you will be taxed on, in my example, you'll be taxed at $45,000 uh, of income because your 5000 is deducted from the income uh, that, you will be, you know, that you will be paying tax on. There's lots of advice that comes from different folks this time of year, Jerry, and sometimes it's that you should always max out your contributions, and and then one of our listeners says they only look at their income tax bracket and see where they're sitting and then contribute the the amount that might help them out in the income tax equation. So is there a right or wrong way to look at the numbers that are coming in and out of your bank account? Well, I mean, you know, I, I keep saying this cheesy joke all the time when it comes to taxes. The answer to all to all these questions, whether and when it relates to taxes, is it depends. That's always the first answer to any one of these questions. It depends on your tax situation. You know, the higher the bracket that you're in, uh, the more it pays, obviously, to put in your RRSP and then try to bump yourself to a lower bracket. Now, the lower your income, let's say, for example, you're in the first tax bracket, then there's a bit of a competition for your, for your savings between the TFSA uh, and the RRSP. Uh, so again, you know, the higher the income, you know, once you start hitting the the, the twenty and a half percent tax bracket, the twenty six percent tax bracket, RSPs are a no brainer because essentially you're getting practically, you know, uh, forty cents, fifty cents back for every dollar that you're putting in. So, so it's a no brainer to put in the RSP, and anything you have in your RSP is tax deferred. But again. If you're in the first bracket, meaning at 15%, uh, you know, now there's a competition. At that point, TFSA might be a little bit of a better deal. Who are we targeting here when we mention that the RSP deadline is tonight? Are we talking about people who might have just been dragging their feet? Are we talking about people who might actually have a couple, you know, some extra money that they've been hanging on to that maybe they would want to put away? Or because, you know, some people might have some money in the bank, but they might say, I can't, you know, that money is set aside for like basic expenses. How am I supposed to take that money and now put it into RRSP? Yeah, it's it actually all of them are valid. Everything that you mentioned right now is is a reason for why the government allows for the two extra months. Because remember that the the first sixty days of the year, whatever contributions you make, they count they count for your previous year, which means two thousand twenty one. So it gives everybody that last shot uh, to be able to reduce their tax bill, and also allows for tax planning. So the good part about the first two months of the year is. Uh, you could do like pre- a preliminary return and see if it's worthwhile to contribute to your RSP, if it's going to have a, a profound effect. Uh, but what I would say to everybody is, you know, don't end up 
uh, scrounging money. You know, it's a real budget buster. Uh, you know, in the last uh, in the, to, to be able to scrounge up the cash in the first two months of the year to contribute, create a plan where you're making a monthly contribution. That way, as long as you're sure that you made whatever contribution you want to make, then it fits in your budget. Exactly what you just mentioned. Now, uh, you know, if you've got money set aside, well, now set aside that that you know your RSP contribution as part of your budget. Jerry, there are some people who would suggest that it makes sense to borrow to purchase or to contribute to an RRSP. Have you got any advice on that front? Uh, the advice I would give there is uh, it's not necessarily a great idea. Um, now, the, yes, I, I understand the logic to it, especially when you got, uh, you know, for example, they got strategies called the top-up loans, right? Where, for you know, because as I mentioned before, if you're in the higher tax brackets, you know, if your marginal tax rate is 40, sometimes even 50 percent, for every dollar you're putting in, you're getting 50 cents back. So, of course, if you're borrowing to invest in your RSP, you know, half of that loan, for, in my example, is already cash that you're going to get back from your uh, tax return, and then you could use it to reimburse your loan. Where I would push back on that is, you know, in in an ideal world where we're getting consistent returns every single year, you know, that's great. You know, that, that strategy works beautifully on paper. In a year like 2008, or in a year like 2020, when the pandemic hits and, mar- and markets tank, and now you've borrowed money to invest, uh, now, now you have a debt. Uh, on, you have a debt on top of the fact that the investments you just made have basically tanked. So I would say, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, if you have a long-term perspective, maybe it makes sense. But I would say if you can avoid it, uh, do, not, do not borrow for, to, to contribute to your RSP. Jerry, you know, as we talk to you, and we've had this conversation with Brett and Greg and myself just about the financial literacy of the average Canadian. And, and when, when you're talking, I'm understanding what you're saying, and it all makes sense to me. And then honestly, some of my statements will show up in the mail with different investments, and it feels like I'm reading an entirely different <laughs> language to the point where I go, oh. And then I just shred it because I don't, I, it's, it's, it, it, that's where my brain's at sometimes. And so I'm curious. What are you noticing or seeing for the average Canadian when it comes to their financial literacy, just around the basics, like their savings account, their RSP, and their mortgage? Uh, well, what, 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 what they found, actually, I believe there was some statistics that came out recently that people, for example, are using the tax-free savings account as a bank account, practically, uh, because, they, because they, they see the name, you know, savings account, when in actuality, really, a, t- a tax-free savings account, for example, should be used kind of in a similar way to an RSP, where you actually invest for the long term, or maybe a little bit of a shorter term. Let's say you're saving for a car, for example, uh, within the next five years. That's where something like the TFSA makes sense. Uh, y- y- your point is, is, is valid, is bang on. Unfortunately, I think the real issue is the debt loads. I think the real issue is that a lot of people are not budgeting to save for their RSP. The majority of Canadians have not maxed out their RSP. The majority of Canadians have not maxed out their TFSAs. And unfortunately, there's a good chunk of Canadians that, ha- that are heavily in consumer debt. And I think that's where the financial literacy needs to go. Uh, in, my, in my estimation, you know, if you've got, for example, consumer debt, credit card debt, you know, uh, credit line debt, forget RSPs and TFSAs. They will never give you the kind of return that you'll get by paying off your debts first. And that should really be part of the financial literacy is don't fall into debt as much as possible. And if you are in debt and you've got extra cash, put it there. Forget these investments. There's, never, uh, there's no magical investment that is guaranteed. That does not exist.
All right, and while we've got a couple of minutes left here, uh, Canadians have been able to file their taxes electronically since last Monday, and I know you've got some other tips on how to reduce the overall tax burden. Like, for example, how to claim deductions for COVID-19 benefits. What kind of benefits are we talking about there? So the big one essentially is the home office expenses deduction, meaning that for those uh, individuals that were required to work from home uh, due to the pandemic, uh, the government offers basically two options, whereas before you could claim home office expenses through, uh, with specific expenses, like, for example, your rent, uh, your heat, your electricity, uh, your your home internet bill, etc., and you were claiming a percentage of that. Uh, now, the, since 2020, the government has allowed for what they call the temporary flat rate method, which is a new parallel way of claiming your uh, home office expenses. Essentially, it's $2 per workday that you were required to work from home. Okay, that's what they give you as a deduction. So similar concept to the RSP, meaning that you're reducing the income you're being taxed on. Uh, you need to have worked at home for at least four consecutive weeks due to the pandemic in order to be eligible for that deduction. And the government allows up to a $500 maximum deduction, which is basically $2 per day uh, up to 250 days. Uh, so that's really uh, the big one. And, and, and the, the good news about the, about the temporary flat rate method is normally your employer has to sign off to say that you were required to work from home. When it comes to the flat rate method, none of this administrative red tape is applicable. Uh, you could simply make the claim. Uh, you claim the number of workdays and you claim $2 per day for every workday. So Jerry, that's coming off my taxable income versus a tax credit on the, on the taxes that I paid. So what, what's the potential impact there on reducing my taxes? So it's exactly, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It's the same impact as an RSP contribution. So basically what it is, is like I said, you know, you take the example of uh, you made X amount of income, you're allowed up to a $500 deduction, okay, uh, for, for, those, uh, for the home office expenses, meaning you're reducing the income that you will pay tax on by $500. So that basically your tax savings would be what is your tax rate multiplied mm-hmm. by the deduction. And that's essentially what you're reducing your tax bill on. And that's the difference between that and a credit, where a credit reduces the tax that you're paying that's already been computed. Can I send you my information right now and you can figure this out for me in the next? What's your, I'll do what's your one sk- better. I'll do one better. I'll send you, I'll send you guys copies of our program. You file. <laughs> Oh, right. That's the whole point, right? I do it myself kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Easy, very easily done. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm putting on my, my salesman hat here now. Nope, that's but, fair. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but essentially, yeah, you, I can give you guys copies of our program, which, which will take you along the way. We have an interview system that will help you along the way to produce your return. UFILE's National Tax Specialist is Jerry Vitaratos joining us live on 680 CJOB. Jerry, thank you for this. Well, thank you for having me.